Hey folks, and welcome to the podcast. Our guest today is Ron Sexsmith. He came by uh, 11 a.m. sharp this morning at uh, Studio A in Jersey City at WFMU Studios. Him and his um, wife and one of his publicity folks and uh, just sweet, sweet guy. Very interesting guy. Very unique guy. Uniquely talented. Just great to sit, you know, eight feet away from him and uh, chat and just watch him do his thing on the guitar. Uh, You know, there was no complex uh, sound check or mixing board or anything like that. It's just two mics near him. uh, So it's not uh, the highest sort of fidelity recording, but I think it sounds good. And I think just his performance comes through loud and clear. uh, And he's in the middle of a huge tour, as we say Uh, a few times during this, so I I do recommend you see him if he comes anywhere near you. Um, Just a super interesting guy. Uh, Always appreciate my podcast listeners, and um, stay in touch. I do hear from some people who listen only on podcasts, and it's very interesting, totally different sort of audience than the radio show uh, listeners, and I do want to point out that this program, the uh, the whole after he left, there was a long set, sort of a best of his career. So the first hour of today's show was all Ron Sexsmith, some on record and some live. You can find it over at wfmu.org/michael. Of course, archives of all my past shows there. Well, at least to the year 2000, Ron was on the show in '96, so they we, we didn't start archiving until about the year 2000. But uh, I wish I had. I do have that cassette tape somewhere of him on the show in 1996, but I cannot find it. Or at least I, it's in my basement. One of these days, it will, it will surface, and I'll, well, maybe I'll put it on the podcast. Anyways, keep in touch. Thanks for listening. Here it is, me and live conversation and performance by Ron Sexsmith. Morning. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Michael? I'm doing great. Uh, as I reminded you, you were on the show 1996, a long time ago, like for both of us. Yeah. A lot of miles under the bridge. Uh, how was, uh, you were sort of talking about this, how was the city winery last night? Uh, I think it was good. Um, I was just, yeah, I was saying backstage, I was a bit nervous, but that's not unusual. And uh, But, uh, you know, uh, people seemed to enjoy it. Uh, I hope they did. I think I, I played well enough. But you've been doing this since, I mean, when, when did you play your first gig in front of paying people? Oh, man. Um, I would have been 17 in my hometown of uh, St. Catharines played. I had a residency at this place called the Lions Tavern. Just doing cover songs and uh, for you know for drunks and stuff like that, and uh, it was good uh, good education. Uh, for tips or for money? Uh, I was getting paid. I had to do four. It was like four sets a night. <laughs> you know, thirty five bucks a night, and then it. I started packing them in at a pretty early age. I, I think because I was so young, you know, and I had this sort of, I don't know, enthusiasm or something. I don't. Know, people were were coming out to see me and. Uh, and so my, you know, if it went from 35, and then I was getting 50, and then I was getting, you know, so I remember I was making, I was making money for like Christmas presents and stuff like that because I was still living at home, you know. Yeah, four sets a night. Um, mm. I know that you know a million covers. I remember that from seeing you live a few times and just from last time you were here, uh, age 17. So was this just something that 
at a young age just kind of you were able not everyone can do a million four hours of covers with just them well i that was the start of it though because um but did you know that you had some special little thing no i i, I didn't i i don't i don't think i did actually because you know my older brother was playing the same bar before i was and he said if you're going to play or you're going to have to play you know all the usual suspects you know like neil young and credence and all this so i i mm. borrowed his records and i just learned a bunch of songs and then people would come every week and say hey can you learn this one for next week oh. and, and sometimes they'd even buy me the record and say hey, go home and learn this and i would i was just really eager to please and um and a bit of a kind of performing monkey and when i wasn't on stage because i was underage i had to go sit in a room by myself and then they bring me out to play again oh. um but after a while they sort of slacked off on that and and then you know they would even be sneaking me drinks and all that but uh, no, it was good education, but I was terrible. Like my voice, I, I was blowing my voice out every night, like just from not singing correctly, and so I sounded just like the Cookie Monster most of the time, you know. <laughs> but, and, uh, and is that uh, when? So when did you start to add original songs into that mix? Um, I was trying to even back then, but my original songs were terrible, and so they wouldn't go over, you know. And then I would try to sneak one in, and and then around the time. Um, when I started writing, when I was a little older after my son was born, I started writing some stuff that I thought was pretty good. Um, it still wouldn't go over, you know. So I just realized I kind of worn out my welcome by this point, and I had to move to Toronto because in Toronto, mm -hmm. they don't want you, they don't want to hear covers; they want to hear originals. And in my hometown, and it's probably still this way, they just want, you know, they to hear the the Beatles and everyone. And uh, so, but I'm really glad I went through that because. Um, I mean, yeah, it was it was this weird kind of Beatlemania feeling I had for a little bit in my little hometown. I was getting invited to parties and all this stuff, you know. And, uh, yeah, it was good for my self-esteem. Yeah, uh, and here we are 17 albums later. The new album's called The Vivian Line. Uh, could you play us a song from this uh, um, yeah. brand-new record? What's it called? This one is called What I Had in Mind, and I was just messing around with the tuning. Hopefully it's okay. I just put new strings on yesterday, but anyway. You wish. can stop and retune it. We're patient. I think it's good. All right. I've always seen school days through September eyes. Could never concentrate. Never memorize All the blackboard figures and facts How I fell behind For dreams and schemes and visions of summertime It was what I had in mind My mark could find no ways in my report card news. Hoped it was just a phase I was going through. Does not apply myself, I would hear. Could never fall in line with the slave all day for minimum pay design. Wasn't what I had in mind I could never see the relevance of the 
intelligence of preaching gloom and doom. Nor could I address the elephant in the Now that's what I had in mind I could never see the relevance of the intelligence of preaching gloom and doom Nor could I address the elephant in the room So many shades of grey these November skies as another year decays to cut you down to size heading out of town for a show down the Vivian line in the rear view mirror leaving all of our tears behind well that's what I had in mind Ooh, what I had in mind Ooh, what I had in mind that's a great uh, segue from what we were talking about uh, I assume this this is based on how you feel about your school days. Yeah, no, I mean, I like a lot of kids, I suppose, I kind of didn't want to be there, you know, and uh, mm. I think they were sort of concerned about me early on because I was, you know, slightly, I think, on the spectrum of things, and, um, you know, they, they actually, I was in grade four, and they put me back into a grade three class, uh, but then they put me into a grade five uh, creative writing class, which I thought was... Um, you know, pretty smart, you know, because they, I guess they wanted to see what was going on in my head or whatever. And um, so that song is just about a, a kid uh, from St. Catharines with kind of low prospects. And then by the end of the song, you, you feel that it sort of all worked out. And uh, you, know. you lot, I mean, you have some songs that are about characters that are obviously not you. And then yeah. there are soul, so more soul-bearing songs. Yeah. And I wonder... In those sort of songs, when you sort of put your own problems, your own, your worst thoughts sometimes, I think, into a song, uh, is it something that's just sort of necessary for you to uh, over to sort of process those problems? Or yeah. uh, is it, you know? Yeah, I think it is a cathartic thing yeah. to... Uh, but, I, you know, I mean, I'm writing uh, all the time. Sometimes a song... Even if it's about somebody else, there's a bit of you know me in there too, you know, or I'm trying to see it, trying to walk in their shoes or something. Yeah. But it, it's um, but yeah, there's definitely some songs that, that are more, uh, you know, closer that are closer to home, um, like that one and and others and, um, but you know, I sang a song last night from my Blue Boy album called Foolproof, and it's this sort of torch song. And uh, and I had that song I, I wrote while watching my son play basketball, and I was trying to think of a song for Dinah Crawl, you know, but I so I can mm. do that too, you know, I can sort of, 
uh, you know, imagine uh, a situation too. But oftentimes, uh, the older I get, I think I more and more of my songs become a little more personal. I, I think I read somewhere where maybe it's like after every time you write a batch of songs or every time you make a record, you think to yourself, well, perhaps this is it. Perhaps the, 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 the tank is now officially on empty. I will never write a song again. And then, you know, what happens? Yeah, I know that's that's uh, that's the case with my new record because I I had made an album in 2020, and I wasn't able to tour it because of the pandemic, and um, and then there was all this talk, uh, even in 2021, that oh you might get to do these shows finally, and uh, and and I hadn't been writing at all because I I was already sort of ahead of the game. I had an album that was out, and I was content. But then just in the early months of 2021, I had this avalanche of tunes just you know f just from messing around on the piano or go I'll walk the town and I'll see something or and and I and I, it was almost I always get this sort of feeling of dread like oh you know it's like Charlie Brown trying to kick the football again like I, it's I'm gonna get my hopes up and then is but then uh, but it's also an exciting feeling because I don't feel useful really if I'm not writing so and then before I knew it, I had this whole batch of songs, and, and then you get excited again, and, and you then you figure, well, does the label even want me to make another record? There's all these other factors too. So. It's funny how what a roller coaster ride is just in your mind. I mean, not even in reality. Just you <laughs> yeah, know, it really is. I mean, you start, you know, there's oftentimes you get down and you think, well, what's the point? No one's gonna care or whatever. And um, but I feel, but some albums for whatever reason have a little more kind of wind in, in in their sails you know um like this one i feel right, right out of the gate there's more of a buzz for this one than than my last few and i don't know why that is nobody so. knows yeah. yeah uh as i said the record's um called the vivian line and was produced by brad jones in nashville he's made a lot of interesting records he's a uh has a great reputation you just kind of go into his studio and you always come out with a great sounding interesting weird you know it, it, He's great. I, I mean, I, I, there's yeah. something interesting about everything he does. Uh, I, I read the word a couple times, the, the phrase Baroque pop. Do you agree with that? Well, yeah. I mean, I, um, I sent him the demos, which were just me on, on the guitar, and I really didn't know um, what kind of record to make. I mean, the last time I did, I played all the instruments myself. That was sort of the... My drummer produced it. He wanted me to do like a McCartney type of thing. And and but I for these songs I was really at a loss and so so when Brad got the demo it was about a week later he called me back and that was what those were his words he said you know I hear this kind of like baroque pop you know with harpsichords and and I'd made a record like that once in '99 called Whereabouts that had all that woodwinds and, and stuff and I was like but now I think I can sing better I mean not this morning I can't sing better but <laughs> but when I made the record. Um, and I felt, uh, yeah, I, I was excited by that, and and I could hear it once he said that. And I mean, not all the songs have that on the record, but a, gr a, a great many of them do. So was the pro uh, the process, uh, you and a guitar and a drummer, and then Brad would just attack the songs, basically. Well, we went down there, and the first two days it was just me and Brad, and I played. There was a couple songs that weren't going to have drums on it, like When Our Love Was New, and and I just got those out of the way I sang that was the very first song I did and um, and then we had the drummer uh, Conrad Shakroon from Austin played with NRBQ yeah yeah he came in we only had him I think for five days maybe even four days and so 
and so we had to get all those songs done and and we would just huddle we'd meet in the in the room where the coffee was and play the song and everyone would get their parts and we'd go out and start playing it and usually by about once we knew it, we about two or three takes later we we'd have. Was it, it with Brad on bass and yeah. you on guitar? Yeah, it was all three of us. It's a rhythm section. Yeah, it was everybody. just me and a rhythm section. That's great. And so and we did that the first four days was just the three of us. So everything just sounded. I mean, it already sounded like a record to me. It was like guitar, bass, vocals, drums, and you know, and because we only had them for for a few days, we didn't even do any harmonies or anything. Although actually, I got Conrad on the last day to sing because he's a really good singer. And I, I knew just by talking to him that his voice would go well with mine. Mm. So he, he sang a bunch of songs. And then when he left, then I had a day or two of overdubs, which was really fun because that's when Brad did his keyboards. And I, I, all the bad keyboards on the album are me and all the good ones are him. And I got to do harmonies. And, and then there was a, 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 another few days when the string player came in and all that. Oh. So it was all done less than three weeks we had the whole thing that's amazing yeah, uh, yeah. ron dot com is the website and folks can uh, listen to it order it etc it is a really interesting record you have made over 17 records a lot of really interesting records because i think producers must love it when you sort of send over a batch of songs and they kind of you know what can i do to kind of bring out what's inside this song and there's over your whole catalog, a lot of just really interesting sounds and approaches, and yeah. the songs are real malleable. I think it has to be a good song in order to withstand that sort of production, and there's some just amazing stuff. Later in the program, we'll, we'll take a tour through yeah. uh, your catalog. You said something, or at least I, I've always told people you said this when we last spoke in 1996, that you said, when I write a song, I generally write it in my head and don't touch the guitar until I've yeah. got it. Is that true? Yeah, it's not that I have the whole song in my head, but generally, if <coughs> I have a, a good verse going in my head, and I write because I, I was a courier, right, for a long time, and all the songs on my first album and some from my second were written on the job, just from walking along, and when I'm cutting the grass, or because that's when I it's like the Winnie the Pooh method, you know, I'm like humming to myself and I'm singing, but then once I have something that that is like yeah, like a, like even a chorus or something. Then I'll whatever instrument's closest, you know, the piano or the guitar. I'll I'll start banging around, and you, and 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 then that's all you get, you know. The initial inspiration, or whatever, is usually just this little fragment. Um, but the, you know, just from I know from experience that it, that it's going to be a song. It's going to be finished because I've been there so many times, mm. and it just after that, it's just a matter of returning to it, um, and you know, until it's finished, and and. And I tend to write in batches too. So while I'm working on that, there's three or four other ones that, and you know, and it's like it's, and it's a bit of a puzzle. But you you get a little further with each one until one day you wake up and you realize, oh my God, I think these are ready to demo. And 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 I think the producers who I've worked with, I I, I always go in with complete songs. Uh, you know, I can't imagine going in the studio and actually writing in the studio. Yeah, I, I know a lot of people do that, but. Um, so I think I, I, I'd like to think I make the job easy for the producer because all they got to figure out is what the groove's going to be and what the, you know the wallpaper's going to be. And yeah, stuff. the voice and the guitar are there. You yeah. just need to embellish a little bit and voila, yeah. And, yeah, and some producers like Mitchell Froom, we'd have these two-week pre-production sessions where he, he was great because he would say, "Can we get to the bridge faster? Can can we modulate it? Like, he would have all these producer ideas that, that hadn't occurred to me. At that. Now they occurred to me at the time they didn't. Mm. Would you play us another song? Sure. What do you got? 
Well, we were talking about when our love was new, or I was anyway, so I'll play that one. When our love was new As new as the morning It sparkled like the dew Of the new day dawning Little did we know We were old souls from the start for though our love was new It was ancient in our hearts When our love was born And a new life was beginning Our kisses they were warm Our eyes how they'd glisten Nothing much to say It was always meant to be Though our love was newly born Other lifetimes had it seen Spirits swirl around and twirl around Until they find a home I turned around, you turned around Until the time had flown When our love was young As young as the springtime We were always on the run Now it slows to a sweet time Little did we know We were old souls from the start Although our love was young It was ancient in our hearts For though our love was new It was ancient in our hearts There's Ron Sexsmith right here live in studio. It's nice to have a real person. There were so many years uh, where, where no real people were around. Did you? You've been doing this for so long. Like we said, 17 albums. Did you enjoy, on some level, the peace and quiet of COVID, or did you? Did that? Did you want to go outside? Um, you know, it was a, obviously a strange time, but. Um and again, it was that useless feeling because, you know, the one thing I'm supposed to be good at, I wasn't able to do. Hmm. And, and it was hard, you know, because you couldn't really be with your loved ones. And But where we live, it's kind of a small town. And COVID actually was rather bearable because, you know, I could walk around the river. I could get out. Um, we had friends, you know, that they said you could bubble with friends. There was like a, yeah. at the time, it was like five, which was pretty much our entire social network in, in Stratford. So, um, so we just really were there for each other, and we kept having these, you know, with, with these parties and get-togethers, and um, 
when we were allowed to, you know. And, and even during COVID, I had a residency at a church where I played twice a month for, we were allowed 50 people inside. And that did wonders for my uh, just, I don't know, I just felt like I gave something to look forward to and the people could go out and have a normal night and have dinner and then co go to a show. So we, so when it all ended and I had to get back on the road again, it was kind of like stressful because I, I really became a homebody. Yeah. I didn't really want to go anywhere anymore. And all of a sudden I'm on airplanes again. I'm a nervous flyer. So, but anyway, I'm really glad that it, life is coming back to life. And, uh, yeah. I think a lot of people felt still haven't gotten their mojo back. Uh, tonight in Philadelphia at World Cafe Live, and you are on a really huge tour here, Virginia, North Carolina, Georgia, Tennessee, Michigan, Minnesota, because we got people listening everywhere, Colorado, yeah. Idaho, California, Oregon, Arizona, Washington, and then I think to Ireland. I've missed a few, but go to ronsexsmith.com and see if he's coming near you. Do you enjoy... Um, because you've opened, you've been lucky enough or, you know, in the right place at the right time to be opening act for some amazing musicians over the years. Yeah. Uh, and I think there's a certain challenge that goes with that and a certain opportunity. For and then, sure. uh, or playing in a slightly smaller room with people who all love you and know every word to every song. What, do you like both? I prefer to, uh, to headline, you know, because I did that for so long, open, opening for people. Yeah. And it, and... It was good and bad, you know. I mean, uh, you know, Elvis Costello, obviously that was a good tour for me because he had said nice things and people were aware of that. <clears throat> I've done some tours where it just wasn't a good fit, you know, where you feel kind of like even if the op even if the act you're opening for is really nice or whatever, the audience sometimes doesn't care, you know. I remember opening for Coldplay and they, they <laughs> you know, and they were, and they, I love Coldplay and they were really nice to me, but sometimes the audience, they're not, they don't want, this, you don't want you, you know. And so you'd get, yeah, so after a certain point, I said, I just think I'd rather play a small venue where people are there to see me. And and I'll, I'll only do it now if it's someone I, I really admire, like Nick Lowe or, um, you know, even Steve Earle and I were talking yesterday, yeah, we should do some shows. I would uh, I would do play for Elvis anytime. Uh, there, there are some people I would do it for. Yeah, Nick, we just saw, I just saw Nick Lowe in London. Uh, November. He's, London, England. Yeah. Where was he playing? He was playing at Nell's. He had, I think, four sold out nights or six sold out nights or nine. So I don't know. It was and it was amazing. You know? oh. But he's always amazing, isn't yeah. he? Uh, God, there's a song I was gonna play today. God loves everyone. It was I was kind of picking through your whole catalog for some songs to play, uh, and I couldn't play that one. I was just like, I, you know, I'll just my heart will break on oh. the air live and stuff. Uh, you know, money, politics, religion. These are things that are hard to to touch. Uh, with songs, uh, just curious. Like, did that song move? Does that move people like as much as it does me? And do you ever play it live? And do you? Can you get through it yourself? Yeah, I mean, it was hard um, when I first wrote it, it. I wrote it about the whole um, Matthew Shepard thing, uh, and it wasn't even so much that the the murder, but it was the response. When you know, I remember it was the first time I was aware of this Westboro Baptist Church thing, and that was so. Uh, offensive to me you know that people would be picketing this kid's funeral and so I wrote the song in this one unedited kind of thing one day and I wasn't sure if I could sing it um, but I you know I, I came up with the music and I remember on that particular album I was coming down to tour America and there were certain places even some journalists would say I don't know if you should sing that song here and I remember some woman came to a show in Chicago and wanted to pray for me because she thought I was going to hell for writing it. And I just thought it was so unusual that here's a song about unconditional love for everyone. 
and people would have a, be offended by that. And yeah, the idea that God <laughs> loves everyone is a bad idea. Yeah. That's just in, yeah. that encapsulates everything. That's <laughs> yeah, no, and going be, on. and I didn't mean it to be offensive. I try. I wanted it to be kind of hopeful, but I do play it. I do play it. Um, uh, not all the time. I uh, on the last tour, uh, it got requested, and and yeah, I mean it's a hard song sometimes to get through. And uh, but there are other songs, uh, even Strawberry Blonde. Sometimes when I'm singing that, I get choked up or, or whatever. But um, that's my wife's favorite. Huh. Um, can you play us a cover song? Because we're talking about how you could play four hours of covers. People love, uh, yeah, to hear that. Well, we, but you know, one of my heroes, Bert Bacharach, just died, and I could do one of his if you like. Sure, lovely. What do you get when you fall in love? My girl with the pins, you burst your bubble That's what you get for all your trouble I'll never fall in love again I'll never fall in love again Tell me now, what do you get when you kiss a girl? You get enough Germs to catch pneumonia After you do She'll never phone you I'll Never fall in love again I'll never fall in love again So don't tell me what it's all about I've been in and I'm glad I'm out out of those chains, those chains that bind you And that is why Here to remind you What do you get when you fall in love? Only get lies and pain and sorrow So for at least until tomorrow I'll never fall in love again I'll never fall in love again I'm out of those chains, those chains that bind you And that is why Here to remind you What do you get when you fall in love? You only get lies and pain and sorrow So for at least until tomorrow I'll never fall in love again I'll Never fall in love again I'll never fall in love again That's great. Yeah, that's what we were talking about before, how a good song... <laughs> at its bones, you can just kind of play any old way, and it works, you know? Yeah, and I, I guess I'm a bit of a, a purist that way. You know, I, I like to, any, to be able to strip it down. To, but uh, obviously there are great songs that that are great because the recording is great, too. Sure. You know, like Start Me Up is not something you maybe <laughs> want to play. Up there's Sugar Sugar by the Archies. Yeah. yeah. You know, so there are, there are examples, and obviously a lot of R&B stuff, too, maybe it's not something, but... But but I do love that that feeling of structure and melody and everything, and and you can 
uh, you know, and you could do that even with weirder songs. You could probably do a jazz version of Kung Fu Fighting or something <laughs> like that. You know, I don't know. But you can d break any song almost down to its core, you know. I would love that. I'm, I know you've got to hit the road pretty soon. I'm going to let you go soon. I, oh. I'm, I'm warning you. Oh. Um, uh, just tell me about the difference between if you can, in one, two sentences, the difference between Canadian people, American people, or Canada and America? Well, um, I think Canada, and it's almost a cliche, you know, they're always saying how we're more polite or something, or reserved, I don't know. And, it, and there's certainly a lot of polite people in America. I think Americans tend to be a little more outgoing. Hmm. Like, they'll say hi to you on the street if they don't know you or, or whatever. And um, Canadians, uh, you know, I, I feel they're always, you know, because uh, you know, America is, is very kind of a proud country, you know. And Canada, Canadians are proud, but they feel a little bit awkward about expressing it, you know. It's, it's like, well, it's more of this kind of, uh, you know, not half-hearted, but it, but it just feels like, you know, like Lenny Kravitz could walk in a room wearing sunglasses, even though it's, he's inside. A Canadian rock star wouldn't necessarily do that. They would feel like, oh, if I do that, everyone's going to think I'm a jerk or uh, something like that. So a little more a humility. Humility, perhaps, yeah. And um, have you have you crossed paths with Gordon Lightfoot? And you must have somehow. Yeah, he's a huge, huge uh, hero of mine. And in fact, I've I haven't missed the show. I mean, he plays Massey Hall every year, and I'm there every year. Actually, you mentioned Sugar Sugar. I go. My date is Andy Kim. Oh, the wow. The two of us, we go together. Because I used to go with people, and they would get bored and leave at intermission or something. Because, I mean, you know, he's an older guy now, and he struggles a bit. He's got uh, some breathing issues and that. But I loved being in the room with the guy, the guy that wrote all those amazing songs. And I met him um, on occasion at uh, some banquet. We were at the same table once. And um, and he actually came to my very first show at Massey Hall, which was a, uh. huge, a huge honor. Yeah. yeah, he's a treasure. Yeah, he really yeah. is. And he's still doing it. He's still... He uh, wants to play until he like until he drops, you like, know. And, which I get that. I, I want to do too. So I hear you. All right, can I ask you to do one bird calling? Oh, I'll do that one. Would you? I, that's that's my favorite on the new record. It's called the Vivian Line. Ron Sexsmith. Uh, he's tonight in Philadelphia. And uh, my apologies, but I just woke up, so my voice is a little bit scratchy. To the so I'll be singing better tonight in Philly, folks. All right. After the storm, she heard one bird calling, calling for its love, I guess. Amid the torrent of branches falling, many a bird had lost its nest. This summer storm, it came without warning, leaving damage in its way. With the dawn came the gentle morning To weave its grace for heaven's sake All the blessings I feel right now Oh, how lucky we are To have a home, to have a home
its love somewhere With its song many tears are falling For the ones no longer there For the ones no longer there I, I just put my finger on it. The songs, whenever any song by you sounds like a Ron Sexsmith song, yet it's also just a classic song. Like, oh. to be able to do that thing, that everyone can relate to the songs, yet they are so personal to you, that's a unique trick. So, Well, I guess for me, too, uh, there's something when I'm writing a song, if it feels like it's already been written, I, I think that's a good sign. You know, not that I'm stealing somebody's song, but if it feels like it's all, I don't know, like it's meant to be, no. or it came my way and this is, f you know... And there's and you get these little clues along the way, and and so that song, like I had the melody before I had the lyrics, and I didn't know mm. what. And my wife just happened to tell me she heard this bird calling in, in, that looked like it was looking for its family, and 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 then you know the light bulb comes on, and but you know 45 minutes later I had the tune. So. Yeah, amazing. Uh, well, this has been great. We should do this more often than every. 27 years or <laughs> yeah i would love to uh, uh yeah next time with the band maybe uh i've got the new record here the vivian line what song would you should i play for everyone do you have a, a yeah. one, one that we haven't played so far that you're into um well you know the um the, the last song on the record was called ever wonder which i wrote it like t it was supposed to be like a beach boy thing but when we when i got in the studio with brad it turned into more of a roger miller thing you know the, the clicks and the upright mm. bass and uh, so it was a kind of a nice surprise and i got to do these sort of cool jordanaire type harmonies that oh. it's all and all me but brad helped me find the right notes and uh, anyway so maybe that one that's yeah. a, that's a perfect one okay uh ron seconds is tonight in philadelphia at the world cafe live it's only 90 miles away from here and then really all over the south and the midwest and then the west coast uh so check ronsexsmith.com for information see if he's coming uh near you and pick up a copy of new album 17th album called the vivian line thanks ron let's hear ever wonder thanks michael you're my pleasure Always get off track Whenever the doubt comes Could that lead to the outcome Ever wonder about that Do you ever wonder why our hand was asunder Always so much to unpack Where the light goes Guess that only the night knows Ever wonder about that We're not so different in the smaller grand scheme not so different when we wonder what it all means Ever 
Bye. 
Songs of fire. 